Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear listeners. For today and next week, I would like to consider with you the name of the Lord. Much of what we say is going to revolve around the third of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 7, which reads, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I hope it will become self-evident as we go along that this is not merely an Old Testament instruction for an Old Testament people, and is therefore of no relevance any longer today, but that it is a law whose value and significance remain. God does not change, and so his laws and decrees do not change, but continue to have a bearing on today's society. Well, as we begin our discussion on the name of the Lord, it is valuable first to address the very question What is a name? Typically, we think that a name serves merely to identify someone. Your name is a label of sorts. You were given your name at birth to distinguish you from others. You might even be a namesake of an uncle or an aunt. But that says something more about them than you, doesn't it? What's in a name is a familiar saying to us, coming from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Well, whether you are Phil or Susan, does it really matter what your name is? Well, yes. Your name describes not only who you are, but also your reputation. If you hear a name of someone you know, immediately that person comes to your mind. When you hear the name Mr. Trudeau, you see our Prime Minister. You might even hear him. It's almost as if he were standing right in front of you, in his position and with his reputation. Our name reveals who we are. And so your name not only serves to identify you, it's your very identity. As much as this is the case today, it was even more so in the Old Testament Knowing the name was like looking at a picture to see the life and character of the person who held that name. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis 6, for example, we encounter the Nephilim, those giants who belonged to an earlier era. They are described as heroes of old, men of renown. The Nephilim owed their name to their mighty power. That was their fame. The name of the Nephilim does not refer to what they were called, but to what they were. Well, dear listeners, then it really is no different with the Lord our God. His name tells us a lot about him. It portrays for us who he is. Time and again, Scripture speaks about his name. You find it specifically all throughout the Psalms. Uh, 
It's a name we praise, Psalm 30, verse 4. It's a name in which we are to trust, Psalm 33, verse 21. It's a name that dwells on the praises of Israel. It's even a name that saves, Psalm 54, verse 1. And in the book After Psalms, in Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Yes, the name of God is his very identity. It is God himself, as he is pleased to reveal himself to us. So, in other words, if you know the name of the Lord, you know him. Psalm 135 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you servants of the Lord. It's clear that the name of the Lord is the Lord himself. It's a name that he himself chose and was pleased to reveal. It was a name God revealed long before the Israelites even heard the third commandment proclaimed at Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 3, the Lord appeared to Moses at the burning bush, and he made himself known by this name. The Lord had commanded Moses to go to Egypt to deliver God's people from slavery. But Moses hesitated. He said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? The Lord answers, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. I am who I am. I am the God of the fathers, the God of the covenant. I am faithful, and I will continue to be faithful. I act in history to free my people according to my promises. You see, God's name speaks of his sovereignty. And as the book of Exodus unfolds, as the Exodus itself from Egypt takes place, his name also testified to his saving power. The Israelites learned from their deliverance that the God who revealed his name at the burning bush is a God who saves. And so Israel learned to sing about this in the Psalms. Psalm 111 verse 9, He, that's the Lord, He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. God brought Israel out of Egypt for the honor of His name. And so by the day the Israelites came to Mount Sinai, they should have known that God's name was much, much more than a name. It expressed God's glory in freeing his people from slavery. And because of that, it deserved as much reverence and respect as God himself. The glorious name of our Lord is to be feared and revered 
because it is God himself in his work of salvation. There is something very precious about this, dear listeners. If God's name stands for his work of salvation, that means that when we today speak his name, or speak of his name, his character, his reputation, we are speaking at the same time of the work of Jesus Christ. He is God incarnate, and as God incarnate, he served as the Redeemer, as the Savior of God's people. In Jesus Christ, the name of God has been revealed in a most glorious way. In a prayer that Christ prayed to his Heavenly Father in the Gospel according to John chapter 17, he exclaimed, I have manifested, revealed, in other words, your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. In Jesus Christ, the very character, the very reputation, the very faithfulness of God is so evident. And the Lord Jesus made that clear on the cross. That's where he redeemed sinners from the pit. And so sometime later, after Christ had risen from the dead, ascended into heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit on the church, the Apostle Peter declared before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. That exclamation of Peter's comes as no surprise, for if Jesus is God, then he shares the same nature, the same name, and the same reputation and identity as God. Therefore, no other name than the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom the Jews crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, can save us from our sins. Dear listeners, I want you to feel the weight of this revelation coming from God. You and I today may have a precious, wonderful, and direct connection to the glory of the name of our Lord. Through Jesus Christ, the only mediator between God and man, He is the only one who is able to bring you into direct contact with the name of God. He alone is the way to the Father the way to understanding the Father, the way to knowing the Father in His holiness, His righteousness, mercy, and love. By believing in Christ, your whole life is then safe in God's name, a strong tower. Yes, you are safe in God Himself. For the glorious name of God is the glorious God Himself the God in whom there is redemption, salvation, because of his Son. This is a name worth honoring, worth not using in vain, but with reverence and respect. With that, we look forward to next week. Till then, 